Uh, before I get started, I wanted to tell you about an experience I had this last week that really, I think, is one of the highlights of my life. Um, last, uh, this past week on Wednesday, uh, my brother Dan and his wife Becky were both ordained in the Wesleyan Church. It's a different denomination, but a lot like ours. Um, and, uh, you know, each, each person being ordained got to ask a, a pastor to participate in the ordination and join in the laying on of hands and say a prayer for them. And Dan asked me if I would do that. So I got to be up there and, and uh, join in that and, and, and give a, a prayer over him uh, for that ordination. I, I'm just still sort of on floating from that experience and just feel it's very profound for me to get to be a part of that. Uh, and I was also thinking here, you know, I, I'm hoping someday there'll be someone, maybe several of people here from Faith Westwood that God will call to, to that ministry to be a pastor. And, and uh, maybe I'll get to lay hands on ordin for ordination with uh, somebody here. Who knows? Let's pray. Lord, uh, we are here today uh, seeking a word from you. We, we want a word that we can take with us that are, will shape our lives. And we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll really drive it home to our hearts and show us how we can live it, Jesus, as your person, as your follower. And Lord, we also pray for our country. Lord, uh, it seems that our country is more divided than ever. And, and um, we pray that you will let the people who belong to Jesus be among those who who reach out to everyone and show love in spite of differences. Um, Lord, we pray for this country that, that you will bring peace and an end to the, the kind of violence that we're seeing here and around the world. Lord, we pray that here in the United States we would, we would see civility um, in, in our civil affairs, which so often seems to be lacking. Lord, we pray for our, our leaders in government that you will guide them, that they will be people of integrity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanna wish you all a happy 3rd of July. Uh, this is the eve, I guess, of our nation's 240th birthday. Independence Day is a day when millions of Americans demonstrate their love for our country by shooting off illegal fireworks. Eh? Yeah. You know, here in the United States, we do not have a Christian government. Isn't that right? Uh, we've never had a Christian government. We have a government that has been historically shaped by Christian values. You know, as I think about it, I'm glad that our founders did not try to set up a Christian government where every, it was kind of enforced, where everybody had to be that way because the movement of Jesus has always been at its best when it's not been in power, right? The people of Jesus have always been more like Jesus when they've not been in charge, when, when we, they've not been the dominant force, uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you would, please open your Bible to Romans chapter 13. We'll start with verse 1. And in the Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 1138 
Uh, and if I want to say if you're new here today, maybe you just came or with a friend, or maybe you just started coming, you don't, if you don't own a Bible personally, take that pew Bible home that you have in your hand. We would just love to give it to you. You'll have a Bible to read at home. You can bring it to church with you. That'd be awesome. In, in this letter, Paul the missionary has already said a whole lot in the first 12 chapters. Talks about how Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one that we worship and obey. He's God's resurrected son. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he changes our lives forever. He saves us from a life dominated by sin and fills us with the Holy Spirit. So, if that's who you are, if you're a Christian in the first century, where does that leave Caesar? What do you think about Caesar then? You certainly don't consider him divine like most of the Caesars did. You don't worship him in the temples of the imperial religion that were set up all over the empire. Why? Because Jesus is your Lord, not Caesar. Jesus is your Savior, not Caesar. And because of that, some Christians, especially those in Rome, started to get the idea, well, maybe that means I don't have to obey the government at all. You know, that, that when it comes to the, to the laws and the taxes of the Roman Empire, that no longer applies. So what does Paul say? This is what he writes here. So if you're with me in, in verse 1, let's all read, uh, aloud, read it aloud together and keep your finger there because we're going to come back to this later in the message. Okay, verse 1. Let everyone be subject. Let me try again. Are you with me? All right, let's all read it together. All right, here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Be subject to the governing authorities. Be a law-abiding citizen. Why? Because that's what God wants. The government authorities were established by God. Now, Paul probably learned this in Jewish school. You know, God doesn't like anarchy. God created this world and wants there to be order in it. God wants us to have laws and courts and justice. But what do you do when a law violates your Christian conscience? What if obeying God means breaking a law? Now, to explore that, we're going to look in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, when we first learn about Daniel, he's a young man who's been recently exiled into Babylon. And the king of Babylon took the best and the brightest to serve him in his palace. When they arrive in Babylon, Daniel and his three friends, right away they refuse to eat the non-kosher food at the king's table. So they tried this little experiment where for 10 days, uh, Daniel and his three buddies would only drink water and eat vegetables and at the end of 10 days it's kind of a miracle Daniel and his three friends are stronger than all the other young men actually I don't know if you knew this but some Christians today will do once in a while uh, what they call a Daniel fast based right out of this passage in the first chapter of Daniel where they eat only vegetables and they also add usually fruits and nuts as well and drink only water for 10 days Sometimes longer. And let me tell you, that, that, you have to eat a lot of vegetables <laughs> to, 
to do that. A lot of fruits and vegetables and, and, and drink a lot of water. I've done this before, and, uh, but I can recommend it to you. It really draw you close to God. You know, heart, mind, and soul, you know, you feel, you feel that uh, experience, that drawing close to God. Uh, but the episode in Daniel's life I want us to focus on today happens decades later. Daniel's much older now, maybe in his early 80s. The Babylonians have now been overthrown. The Persian Empire has taken over, and the new king in the area is named Darius. Darius appoints 120 officials to run his government, called satraps, and he appoints three administrators over the 120. One of them is a Jew named Daniel. So Daniel has decades of, of experience. He turns out to be such an excellent administrator, King Darius wants to put him in charge of the whole country because, you know, kings don't like to work that hard anyway, you know. Just let, the king, let this guy do it all for me. When the other administrators and satraps hear about this, they are jealous. Why should Daniel get to be in charge? They want to get rid of him. And they try to find something that they can accuse him of to bring him down. And I don't know what it all was, but it could have been things like, you know, did he ever take a bribe? Uh, has he ever said a bad word about the king? Have he ever, has he ever used his position of power to extort money from others? Has he ever flirted with women in the royal harem? But you know, the more they dig, the more they find nothing. Daniel's clean. He is subject to the government authorities. Daniel, he knows he's not above the law. He shows respect to the king. So, what are they going to do? How are they going to get rid of Daniel? They, they, they uh, hatch a sting operation hoping to catch Daniel in the act. They, they flatter King Darius and convince him to sign a decree that no one be allowed to pray to anyone but him, the king, for 30 days. And if they do pray to someone else, they've got to be thrown to the lions. So Darius, King Darius, takes the bait. Uh, and there, he issues a ruling that uh, decree that this, uh, that this is going to happen. And, and, and in the laws of the Medes and the Persians, you, once you put it into writing, once you sign it, you can never take it back. So when Daniel learns about the decree, what does he do? What's he going to do? He's got a dilemma. Does he obey the law? Or does he obey God? Well, anyway, Daniel's regular habit through all the years was three times a day, every day, Daniel goes to his room and he opens the windows toward Jerusalem because he's remembering his God. And he gets down on his knees and he prays. And he gives thanks to God and he asks for God's help. You know, back then, when people prayed, they didn't normally pray silently like we tend to do most of the time. They prayed out loud, which I think is really kind of cool. You know, I think it means more to you that way. They prayed out loud, and so that meant that there were these government officials, the administrators and the satraps, who were kind of waiting in the wings outside Daniel's room, and they got to hear him praying. So they rush to report it right away to the king that Daniel has disobeyed the law. He's got to be thrown to the lions. Now, 
you can go home and you can read the rest of, of what happened, but here's what I want us, pardon me, here's what I want us to draw from Daniel's experience. We obey the law because of our love for God. And on rare occasion, we may have to disobey the law because of our love for God. What do you think? Let's, let's all say that together, shall we? We obey the law because of our love for God. And on rare occasion, we may have to disobey the law because of our love for God. So, with Daniel's example in mind, let's go back to Romans 13, verse 1. It started out, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Doesn't say that you always have to obey them. It says you have to be subject to them. And the word translated, be subjected, uh, is, uh, is, to, is borrowed from the military. Uh, it means you know your place. You respect authority. So, we know from the story, Daniel's not a lawbreaker. His, his enemies can't find anything that, that he did. He, he's reliable, he's respectful, he's a good citizen. And I think Daniel would agree with verse 5, if you want to skip down there with me, verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. And that's the way it was for Daniel. Doing the right thing was a matter of principle. Daniel obeys the law because he loves God. And, and only when he has to choose between God and the law does he disobey the law. So Romans 13, telling us to be subject to the, to the governing authorities, but it doesn't say there's not a room for civil disobedience. It's about having a respect for the role of government. You see, God wants us to have good government. We, we humans, we don't do well when there's anarchy. I mean, it kind of brings out the, it's kind of the Lord of the Flies kind of terrible stuff, you know? Uh, we need laws for the public good. We need to be held accountable. And I believe what Paul says here that God has established the governing authorities. The fact that we have people in charge governing is because it's a blessing from God. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that God establishes the individuals who hold those offices. You know, every country has its way of governing, right? I mean, all kinds of ways of governing. And, and those who do the governing are accountable to God. Governor Ricketts is accountable to God. President Obama is accountable to God. Mayor Gene Stother is accountable to God. My state senator, John Marante, is accountable to God. And you and I, as citizens, are accountable to God. We obey the law because of our love for God. And on rare occasion, we may have to disobey the law, not out of rebelliousness, but out of our love for God. I remember when the city of Fremont uh, passed an ordinance. Maybe some of you remember this. Forbidding landlords to rent 
to illegal immigrants. You remember that? I, I, I have to confess, I didn't follow the details all of that closely in the paper and stuff. I didn't live in Fremont, you know, I didn't follow it that well. But, but I also thought, you know, if I owned a rental property in Fremont, I would have had a hard time saying no to a family who needed housing. I'm, I might have been willing to disobey that law because I thought God wanted me to. Maybe, maybe I, things would have gone, I got a cop, maybe I would have had to pay a fine, maybe I would have gone to jail, I don't know. Ro Rosa Parks had been riding the city bus for decades. The city of Montgomery had this long-standing ordinance, probably from the time they first had buses, uh, segregating seating on the buses. And, and I don't know if you know this part of it, but they, they would have a movable sign inside the bus uh, showing where the seating for, for blacks began from, and from there on back. And so obeying the law, Rosa Parks sat down in the first row behind the sign. As the bus continued to make stops, more white people uh, boarded the bus uh, in the front section uh, that, that by that time was already filled up. And so the bus driver, in order to create more room for the, the white passengers, he took that, that sign and moved it a row back and told the four people who were in that row that they were going to have to get out of their seat and move on back. Three of them did. But that day, Rosa Parks refused. She was tired. Tired of giving in, she says. The police came. They arrested her. Took her to the police station. Now, I want you to know that Rosa Parks was not the first person to ever refuse to go to the back of the bus or to be arrested for that. But this time, the time was right. A bus boycott was organized with the help of a new young pastor in town, Pastor King. And he was able to express how sometimes we have to disobey the law because of our faith in God, because of our love for God. Now, some of the Christ followers in Rome back in the first century, they, they wanted to disobey the law, especially when it came to taxes. I mean, why should they support this non-believing government, you know, that doesn't believe in what they believe? So, but of course, do you remember what Jesus said about taxes? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. And that's probably what Paul was thinking of when he writes what we see in verses 6 and 7. Will you look at that with me? He says, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I knew a guy once 
who, because he was a Christian, decided he just wasn't going to participate in the government anymore. And uh, he stopped paying his income taxes. That didn't turn out very well for him, by the way. He should have read Romans 13. Paul says we need government, and those who govern are God's servants. Now, if they do a bad job, they have to answer to God for that. But that doesn't mean I get out of paying taxes. Paul says not only do we pay the taxes and the fees that we owe, we also pay respect and honor. We owe our police officers respect and honor. We owe our judges respect and honor. We owe our elected officials respect and honor. Now, we may disagree with them. That's fine. Some of them may be incompetent and need to be removed. All right. But because of our love for God, we also show them respect and honor. Now, by this coming January, we are likely to have a president that some of you will find repulsive, whoever it is. Right? Am I right? I mean, it's going to be president, you fill in the blank, right? But out of our love for God, we will still show respect and honor because of the office they hold. Do you ever break the law? I mean, is there any... Is there anybody who has never broken any? I mean, I mean, do we all have we all broken a law somewhere, sometime? You know, for a lot of us, that the the decision to to break the law or not is a matter of weighing the risks and the consequences. Right? How likely am I to get caught, and how bad will it be if I am? I mean, isn't that the kind of the the the, the logic that goes through most people's minds when they think about, yeah, what am I going to do about this? I remember once when our kids were little, uh, we stopped at a, at a state park along the interstate so we could sit at a picnic table and have, have the lunch that we had brought. And I, and I so kind of drove up there, and I thought, well, there's got to be a place where I can buy a state park permit, right? And I, and I looked around, and there was no place to do that. And there was nobody around, and I thought, well, we'll just kind of pull up and use the picnic table here for a little bit, and then we'll just be on our way. And so we, we had just gotten sat down at our picnic table, and uh, an officer of Game and Parks came up. <laughs> and because we didn't have a park permit, we got a ticket. So much for saving money by bringing our own lunch, huh? <laughs> you know, we all face these kinds of dilemmas, don't we? What am I going to claim on my tax return? Will I, will I pay someone who works for me under the table? How fast am I going to drive? You know, it's got me to thinking about whether I have the legal right to show some of the photos that I use in my sermons once in a while. But however we'd make these decisions, it's going to have to be about more than just weighing the risks and the consequences. It's got to come from a deeper place. It's got to be a matter of conscience. It's got to be about loving God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, 
Sometimes we don't really think much about how the fact that we have government at all is a blessing from you. And uh, that you desire for us to have good government and that we have a responsibility to respect our governing authorities and to, to be subject to them. Lord, we pray that as Christians, as people who, who love and follow you, Jesus, that we will also be citizens, maybe partly out of patriotism, but really more importantly out of our love for you. Lord, we, we pray that today as we share communion together, we will remember that we have an allegiance to a higher kingdom, a kingdom of the heart, kingdom of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for those of you who are 